So was Creed any good? It was, you know what? It was remarkably better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is the boxing stuff was like cliche. Like I'd seen it all before in the in the five bo- Rocky movies that had come before. In the end, it, it rhymes. Spoiler alert, Joe. At the end, the Creed kid, he ends up like uh, losing the match uh, by a second. Kind of the same way Rocky lost in the first movie, even though they, they both didn't go down. The guy knocked Creed down. He got up at the nine count and like they were still, they were still like, no, it was 10. And he's like, okay, so he met, so it's like all that stuff, but there's stuff going on between Creed and Rocky, like the human, the human stuff. I was like, this is really good, but Rocky Stallone played Rocky too smart. Like he, like he's not doing, like, I used to like the way he had this full on dumb thing going on. Yeah. He was was like, like, uh, like, wasn't it canon since like Rocky five or whatever that he's punch drunk or whatever. Yeah, and even then, even when he wasn't, he was just, he was like, hey, I'm slow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm Rocky. And he kind of just does Stallone saying lines now. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't put on the, the Rocky persona. And I'm like, all right, I, I, that kind of, I don't like it. But then he ends up, uh, he ends up like having some stuff going on in his life. He gets sick and Creed is trying to trying to help him. And then like, there's stuff going on. Like he, he's like, well, why don't you talk to my mother to prove who I am? And he's like, well, you never talked to her since, you know, you didn't throw in the towel all the way back in Rocky four and, and Apollo got killed. And I'm like, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but the, the, the box. Do they stuff, actually say like Rocky four? Yes. They go Rocky. You no, know, when he fought Drago, you know, they <laughs> just know. say, would that be awesome just, if they did. Don't you remember the documentary about your life? Right. Did you ever see the 30 for 30 parody they did for Rocky four? Yeah. I've seen that one. And the karate kid one, the, the one cracks me up every time. The one guy going, I just have to say Apollo Creed was in dancing shape, but not in boxing shape. And the other guy goes, he goes, well, maybe if he didn't do a 15 minute dance number, he might not have got killed. <laughs> you know? He was gassed from, from living in America. And but I'm he like, hasn't- he doesn't do a ton of dancing. You know what I mean? Obviously, he leaves that to the godfather of soul, James Brown. Right. And, like, it's more so, like, there's pageantry involved, which is, you know, the, the that's the entertainment part of the sports entertainment that I like. Right. That was before. Then you get to Rocky Five with Tommy mm-hmm. Gunn. And that's or the do good fight in the streets. That's it. Tommy Gunn only fights in the ring. Tommy <laughs> Gunn only fights in the ring. Round three. That was, I love that fake Don King guy. Yep. Because he was also the fake Johnny Cochran guy on Seinfeld. Right. He was uh, the guy, well, I forget what his name was, but he was the one who got uh, Kramer all the lattes that he wanted. That's right. But, uh, and then, and then actually Rocky Balboa was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed Rocky Balboa. Even though you're talking... You know, you're talking about how there's some cliches. And if you didn't realize, this is the show. This is Longbox Heroes After Dark. <laughs> right, I figured. Right. I think we've been, like, we're two or three minutes in already. Sure, who cares? They lose. Right. So we're talking about Rocky movies. But where I was getting to this was, so yeah, th- so there's, like, the part, I don't know. Okay, so the whole thing is, like, a video game simulation. Yeah. And in the video game simulation, they claim that, or, like, they claim that Rocky could beat whoever the like current champion is. And I'm out of touch with real sports at that point, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know if this guy's supposed to be an analog to someone, 
and I don't follow real sports when they're like really hammered hard on like all the sports casters saying Rocky's down and out. Rocky's a bum. And the whole thing is him trying to prove to his son, played by Milo Ventimiglia from Heroes and a bunch That's of other right. stuff. Yep, I brought that up to to Matt as we're watching it, and he's like, he was the son yet yeah, because in Creed he moves off to Vancouver with his family, so oh, he's okay. not in the. But, uh, That's ironic because I think now we'll get to where I wanted to talk about with this. We're going to talk about greatest American <laughs> hero and greatest American heroine. Right. I don't know why I say it that way, but it's just the way I do. Mm-hmm. You do love like your I'm, heroine. I do. Um, <laughs> but so the whole thing is like it's a father and son allegory. So the movie is good, yes. I feel there's too much going on. It probably had the best fight choreography of any of the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's that part at the very end, because Rocky doesn't win, right? Right. But he's walking out, and he's going through the crowd, and he's about to enter, enter the locker room, and then he just turns around. And, like, it's supposed to be that he's looking at the fans, but he's looking like directly into the camera, and then that's how the movie ends. And right. I'm like, you corny motherfucker. Right. I go, what a lame way to end your movie, right? It just felt so corny to me. And you know, everyone's like, Oh, I like this movie, because like maybe because like the you know, the ending's typically the last thing you remember, duh, because the last thing that you saw. But that's why I never went back and revisited the film, because that cornball ending. Right. See, my thing is I love Rocky Balboa. Except for the whole thing where they have the, the, the computer simulation, the video game simulation that he could beat him. And then like, you know, 60 year old Rocky comes out of retirement and fights this guy. And luckily that guy breaks his hand in the match. So like it, that hamstrings him. So he, you know, he's on Rocky's equal now. And I'm like, all right, don't care about all that. But like, you know, finding out about Marion dying from like, as Rocky calls it, woman cancer and everything. Like, that's the last time he really played Rocky, like the Rocky that I remember. And there's like little bits, like the tree in the movie where he has the the the, the chair up in the tree and he goes to see Marion and he talks to her and reads her the paper and everything. Well, in Creed, um, what's his face is dead? Who's the the brother, the uh, of Marion's brother? Uh, Polly. Polly. Polly's dead in this. And uh, his... Bert Young, who has been making convention appearances, and every yes. time I bring him up, you're like, "Who the hell is that?" And I go, "It's Polly from the Rocky movies." He he's passed away in the movie, and he's buried next to Adrian, and so he still has the the chair up in the tree. And I'm like, there are a lot of like because it rhyme moments that I that I really like. Um, but like you know, it's 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 about Creed, and the Creed stuff is actually really cool because he's not Creed's actual son. He was a he was a liaison just before he died, and then the wife found out about it and went and took him out of juvie because he was fighting to because he always had the fight in him, Joe. He always had the fight in him, but he wanted to make his bones on his own name. And somebody outed him as a creed. And then like they were talking like, does this affect Apollo's creeds like legacy that he he slept around on his wife and everything? I'm like, no, in this modern day and age, that makes him a goddamn hero. You know what I mean? Like he, he only slept around on his wife with one person, right? Right, right. That we know of. And maybe were they, a whole bunch were of they age appropriate? Okay, that doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> now what I'm hoping is that there's a whole bunch of little creeds. And then the whole like next three movies are like the, the illegitimate creeds coming out and like it's like creed on creed violence. Yeah. That's what I want to see. It, it's a it's a big um, it's like a big battle royale. 
Mm -hmm. they, oh man, okay. The movie's called Last Creed Standing. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, let's get cracking on this. That's right, and his name is is Donnie, short for Adonis Creed. So he has another Greek name, and they should all have Greek names like Perseus Creed, and like you know Same. Hades Creed. Yeah. I would, I would like just run through the whole like you know the Greek pythology of like you know Greek gods, and I'd be fine with it till you get to Hercules Creed, and he's like the biggest guy in the ring, and he's just knocking Creeds out, and then the original Creed has to come in and chop him down. Oh, this this movie writes itself, Joe. Well, luckily uh, Sylvester Stallone, who fancies himself an intellectual, would never sully himself to listen to something as low as a podcast. That is true. And that's, that's not his credo, if you oh, will. What? I just groaned disgustedly. I know you do. But with all these movies, they're like, oh, Rocky played himself. Or like, Stallone played Rocky a little bit smarter in this movie, you know? Well, he's still dumb, but he doesn't, like, yeah, yeah. Like, slur the words and, like... No, I don't like, know how doors work, you know? Right, yes. And he doesn't, like, take a slow amount of time. He's like, you know what? If I say these lines slowly... Yes. I'm filming for twice the amount of time. Kind of deal. <laughs> so it's like if I speed it up, boom, we're out of here. One one take. And then somebody told him to to like do it a different way. And he's like, don't correct me. It sickens me. Oh, hey. my goodness. But it's, what I'm getting with this is Stallone fancies himself as an intellectual. He does. He is. Hmm. And one last thing. He was living in the house that he, that he lived in the first movie, which yeah. was – Adrian's house or the second movie, whatever. And with Polly dead, Creed, uh, the Creed kid moved into Polly's room and he found a whole bunch of like swank magazines that Polly oh, had. That's cool. that's cool. Which is which is great. But I wanted him to open up the closet and fucking 80s robot to come out. But there was no 80s robot in Creed, so I was disappointed. You know what? I, I haven't seen it. Now, yes, I, I agree. 80s robot should have came out singing Happy Birthday, Polly. <laughs> right. But but with like half the lights out and like one arm yeah, broken. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's like a shot of like a part of the robot just like laying around in the room. Right. I'd have to like, you know, eyes on it slowly. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I only got time to fine tooth comb through one movie this week. Right. Two I won't sit still for. The other one uh we talked about off air a couple weeks ago. Right. And the other thing that uh, Matt pointed out to me is that in the house you see a, ter a terrarium with two turtles. Oh, uh, Cuff and Link or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still turtles from all the way back in Rocky. He still has them. They're still alive. Yeah, well, turtles live a long time, don't they? That's right. Turtles live longer than me, but then just about everything will live longer than me. Mm-hmm. So, I'll now tell I have you one thing that did live long. What? Was this a was this American Greatest American Hero reboot? What? Uh, to boot again, as they yes. say. So you know, oh, here we are. We're ten months into this project of Al's gals, and we still are like wobbly on all these things, right? Mm -hmm. Like we didn't really need to watch that last episode of Greatest American Hero to lead us into, uh, the Greatest American Heroine, uh pilot that never went anywhere right but it was like to get a good feel for i guess the show whatever and like i'll never forget when we did the who's the boss thing where it's like it was two episodes of who's the boss and one episode of motor that we should have watched right because it kind of bookended itself and how they wove everything back in and were able to use the unsold pilot of mona 
So we just need to be a more, more diligent with these last two months that we have left. Well, I think it's it's really easy what we're doing. We don't have to. Yeah, the two, next two seem relatively straightforward. Right. There's not much more we can do. But uh, I'm really glad the second to last episode, which was the final episode, had a lot more Spanish than English in it. <laughs> and I was like, the cop, the copy we have not have fucking subtitles. No, because after we were done, I looked it up. It is on Amazon Prime, so I could have watched it that way. And I'm like, nope, it's all all the Spanish. That a lot of Spanish that's in there. It's all right because the, the 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 copy that we linked, they um the the copy that we linked that was on Daily Motion or Vimeo or whatever the hell it was. Right. Randomly, there would just be like inappropriate words edited into it. Okay. So I had to go grab a cop a, a clean copy off of YouTube's. Oh. And that one didn't have any swears woven into it. I love swears woven into my Grace American Hero. So this episode that we watched, uh entitled <laughs> Vanity Says the Preacher. Right. Well, there was no preachers in this. Right, no preachers in it. And it was one of three episodes. That never made air, but were on like all the DVD box sets and part of the syndication package. Right, right. It was unaired in the original run. Right. So the the, the gimmick of this is uh, Bill Maxwell, played by the great Robert Culp. Now, this episode was also written and directed by Robert Culp. And starring two of his sons. Oh. Did you notice that? What, the two non-Mexican-looking Mexican guys were his kids? Yes, the two brothers were were Robert Culp's actual kids. And then I think the one actually also played him as Robert Culp in the film. You know what I mean? The past film. A young Robert Culp. Oh, shit. Yes, what? Okay, so... I was going to say, never mind that shit. Right. So, uh, the two kids... Uh, first of all, like the most non-Mexican looking Mexican people in the world. I should have knew the fi- knew the fix was in. <laughs> right. Uh, one, uh, you know, uh, Jason Culp, who was, uh, Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had a moderate acting career. I don't know if you looked into that. Uh, no, I didn't. I... Oh, okay, don't right now. Because he did like <laughs> a couple, uh, soap operas here and there. Uh, you know, maybe stopped acting like in the late 90s and has done like a short or two sets. Right. The other son, Joseph Culp, has had the, has quite the history, Tom. Right. Because he would play like bit parts on like random TV shows. Like he'd pop up on episodes of Highway to Heaven or uh, as I'm just looking this over here, uh, random episodes of ER, Deep Space Nine, assorted things like this. Uh, but Todd, you would know him better, and you would know him better as the lead villain in the Roger Corman-produced 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Was he Doctor Doom? He was Doctor Doom. Oh my God! <laughs> I wow! How about that for a connection out uh, of nowhere? I did not know that the Culp family had deep chops in the Marvel villain. You know. Uh, dynasty. Wow. Unbelievable. So, yeah, this, uh, so, uh, they, they, they trick Robert Culp 
into accepting a Man of the Year award so they could drug him and fly him back to Latin to a nondescript Latin American country. Don't don't forget a sweaty and shaky Robert Culp at oh. that point. So they bring him back there, and then, of course, uh, Ralph, the greatest American hero himself, mm -hmm. uh, his, his self, has to go and save him using the suit as little as possible, because we're at the tail end of this series, and we ain't got a lot of budget for special effects. What? Well, he could have wore the suit, but just not, you know, do anything special. Well, they did blow the budget with the spaceship, Joe. That's true. Okay, now wait, wait, wait. Okay. So there's a whole thing where they they need Robert Culp because he's the only one who could talk to the Indian. And we say the Indian a lot mm -hmm. in this. Right. We weren't sure what kind. Right. And again, it's 1983. You can't judge. Mm -hmm. You just have to let it go as it is. <laughs> right. And a lot of the Indian's lines are dubbed in off camera. Where they're having a conversation where, like, he walks in, we see Robert Culp reacting to words that were very obviously not recorded the day that they were there together. Or, or maybe were, the microphone did pick them up correctly because they're at a completely different pitch. Exactly. But this results in a shootout between the brothers. The brothers both die, and then we go to the stock footage from the very first episode of the series of the spaceship showing up to save them so they can make their plea as to why the brothers should be brought back to life. Right. And even Robert Culp was shot too. Right. But he was immediately made better because he's part of the, the whatever, right? The crew that they, that they, they, the aliens said, you know, you have to make the world better. Then we find out that they have apparently a bunch of sleeping people on the ship that they're, that are all uh, the greatest American hero and Maxwell's like replacements. If anything goes wrong. So, like, I'm like, that's kind of weird, and there's aliens in there, too. Like, I, there was a lot of stuff I just didn't understand, and I don't know if you'd understand more if you watched, like, the overarching season, like, because right. the aliens show up multiple times. So, I don't know. I There was just a lot that confused me other than outside the plot of the, the, the revolution in the small, like, you know, unnamed foreign country. Oh, boy. So, uh, the first episode, meh, whatever it is, uh, mm -hmm. I do just want to say, though, uh, Connie Selica, where have you been? Boy, howdy, I forgot how good-looking she was. That was a good-looking good lady, mm -hmm. uh, lady in this, and I did go to see her, uh, what she's been up to, and she appears to be the queen of the Hallmark TV movies that you see all the time. That's right. Those uh, are hasn't good. been in one in quite some time, but she was like a regular in them from what looks to be about 1990. Oh boy, 1990 to 2012. Now you have her IMDb up or something? I, I do have her IMDb up. Was she in a show called Hotel? She was in a hotel. She and she starred in that with the guy who played Pee Wee Herman in the movie. In Pee Wee's Big Adventure, do you remember what I'm talking about? Like uh, James the, Brolin. I'm pretty sure he was the guy who starred with her in Hotel. James Brolin was Thanos, wasn't he? Yes, he was. It wasn't Thanos who was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure in Hotel. No, no, James Brolin is the dad. The son is Thanos. 
Oh, okay. Josh Brolin, right. Josh Brolin, right, right. Jonah Hex. I'm I'm confused, yes. Okay, so here's how things get ass-ended around with all of this, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Connie Selica. We're going to get to the America, greatest American <laughs> heroine here. But this swear. is like, I love these six degrees of separation deals, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Connie Selica, knockout dame. She stars in Hotel uh, with James Brolin. James Brolin starred as the lead in the original Westworld movie from the 70s. Oh, yes. Great movie. It's pretty much just Jurassic Park before Jurassic Park. But they were written by the same person. So Connie Selica starred in Beyond Westworld, the one-season TV show from 1980. Whoa. That was the sequel to the movie. <sighs> There's a lot of Westworld going on. <laughs> It only lasted five episodes because mm-hmm. it was that good. Right. They peaked and wanted to go out on top. And it looks like no one of any sort of, like, no one carried over from the, the movie, of course. Right. Well, they were all dead except for one guy. Right. But, yeah, how about that? How it all comes around there with uh, Con- the Connie Selica connection. That's right. I, I would love she's to doing con- well. I do too. That's I would all love I to I would love to connect with Connie Selica. Let's see. But for her for her best uh hopes. Oh. Did you know she was also we're talking about Josh Brolin being as Thanos and Jonah Hex. Did you know she was in Captain America 2 Death Too Soon the TV movie? Mm. I did see that low down on her uh, IMDb. With the legendary, with the probably best Captain America, Reb Brown. And isn't Reb Brown like some famous author's son? Uh, no, you're thinking of the guy who played Captain America in, the, in that one movie where he fought the Italian Red Skull? Okay, okay. That was either J.D. Salinger's kid or grandkid. That's what it was. Right. And uh, as a matter of fact, as I was uh, saying, what I want to see is Reb Brown, Lou Ferrigno, the guy who played Thor in the Lou Ferrigno movie, like them go on tour at cons as the original Avengers, get the guy who played Daredevil in the TV movie, the Doctor Strange guy who played that Doctor Strange in the shitty TV movie, and bring out the original Marvel guys. If they're going to do... A movie where it's, uh, you know, multiverse, Doctor Strange multiverse. Bring all these guys in as the, the, you know, the old man Avengers. Once again, sign me up. I'll write the movie. They've, they should at least, Disney, give these guys a paycheck when you're going to do your multiverse or whatever stuff this is going to be. Right, in the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, yeah. Throw them in there. Give them a payday. Give them like a couple years in the con- that'll give them a couple years in the convention circuit. You know, because mm-hmm. if they just pop up now, people are like, eh, whatever. You know. Well, that's why I said for the Doctor Strange multiverse movie. Oh, okay. I missed that. I'm sorry. Sure, you don't listen to me while we record. Why I we? listen, but not all the time. Right. No, you're too busy looking at Connie Selica pictures on IMDb. Yeah, we're okay. We're going to move on from Miss Selica. She's doing all right. She's fine. She's painting. She's she's living a good life. Right. So, even though she's given up, she gave up on her Twitter about five months ago. She was tweeting hot and heavy, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, nope, I'm done. 
Maybe she's got a like a no disclosure contract for the reboot of Hotel. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So moving along, uh, we're gonna get into the spinoff, uh, the attempted failed reboot of this. Uh, so if you followed the link uh, that we included, that is just some guy who streams this on his YouTube page, Facebook page, Facebook page, right, right. <laughs> so this comes about three years after the show goes off the air. It was originally on ABC. NBC decides to pick it up, brings back all of the old cast. Robert Culp has decided, I'm not dying my hair anymore. You guys could stuff it. Right. Uh, William Catt, unfortunately, cannot commit to the show because he has a much more lucrative role on Perry Mason. Mm -hmm. So they decided to just recast it. And I liked the concept of this. It was actually a smart concept, and I like the fact that William Cat didn't like wear a, a crappy wig because, like, he doesn't have the big like curly fro anymore. Yeah, but yes, I do like the idea of. I mean, even as it's not plausible, he they, they're outed as the as the 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 suit, and he becomes you know starstruck and egotistical, and the aliens say it's you know we can't have this. We need to find somebody new because we can make everybody forget, but we have to give the suit to somebody else. And everybody agrees. And I'm like, not the worst premise. Yeah, me. yeah. But, you know, so I, I was I was like, all right, that's not bad. And then they find out that uh, they ask for another another uh, instruction booklet. And they say, we already gave you two, which they did. I remembered that from the show. And I do like the opening uh, of The Greatest American Heroine, that they give you Robert Culp talking into a tape recorder, giving you everything you need to know about the greatest American hero TV show, which I wish I actually knew before we went into the last episode. <laughs> really like it re sparked a lot of memories for me, but. So, so um, a couple, okay. A couple things. So when we get the stuff of, uh, William Katz character, like going Hollywood, right. The absolute best is the scene of him hosting Saturday night live. Yes. Which is him standing in front of a set. Mm-hmm. That just has like a ladder and a prop that didn't look anything like any Saturday Night Live set that I remember. And he's just like kind of like doing points at people, like not saying any jokes, just kind of like posing for people. Right. And being that this gets picked up by NBC and he's on, he's the host of Saturday Night Live, that was the shit year of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. That was like where only Eddie Murphy was good and they clearly acknowledged it, where like the entire show by the middle of the season just became the Eddie Murphy show and occasionally Joe Piscopo. I was just going to say, you slap some respect on Joe Piscopo. <laughs> but uh, no, I know what you're saying. And the the one thing that in that scene that, that, that I do like is he comes on the ship and he's looking at the screen and it's like, you know, all we have to fear is fear itself speech. I have a dream, you know, uh, Kennedy. And it's like all these inspirational people. And then they cut to fucking William Cat, like doing his Saturday Night Live shtick. And I'm like, you know what? In this whole thing, once again, I really like this scene. Like, like genuine heroes, the greatest American hero. And he's become a, sh- a schlep. You know what I mean? And yes. I, I don't know. It, I, like, in all honesty, like, that scene actually kind of struck home. Like, amazing, truly great people. And then someone who should be that way. And he's like, no, I'd rather be doing shitty, you know, skits on Saturday Night Live. So, I do like that scene. Um, And what else was I going to say? So, I noticed as well, 
uh, one thing that they didn't care about and one thing that they really, really did care about is the opening theme was just a little off on this version, right? Right. It, it definitely was performed by what's the, uh, Stephen Geyer, Geyer. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Right. I don't remember either. Right. But it doesn't sound like it was the original recording from the original show. It sounds like they just got the same guy to re-record a new version of it, you know? Well, I was reading somewhere that they had a couple of versions that, like, there was the TV version, then there was the radio edit. So maybe they just used the radio edit this time or something. Right. So obviously they got him to record a new version or they used a different version or whatever it was. But I tell you, nobody was caring about licensing music during the filming of this show because there were just like six popular hits from the time. Like them putting that Whitney Houston song in there, which was at the time a huge hit. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely certain they did not pay for the rights to use that song in this TV show. What? Next you're going to tell me, like, you know, wrestling pay-per-views didn't pay for music, Joe. Come on. Uh, they didn't up until they didn't up until about 2003 or 2004 when WWE was the only game in town at that point. So they're like, oh, shit, we got to start paying for all these licensed musics of all these people that we took over their lives and their careers for. Right. One of my absolute favorites. And listen, you brought up wrestling, so I'm just going to mention this. I know. It's on you, so now you get a wrestling story. When they did when when WWF did the ECW one night stand and they had um Enter Sandman and Yep, they paid for one use of the song. And the sad thing is I remember you telling me this story because it was one use of Enter Sandman, maybe there was a Welcome to the Jungle from Guns N' Roses, and there was an ACDC song, and you told me it was like, and, you know, at that midnight rerun, all that music was gone on the pay-per-view. Well, the Ace, and that's the thing, because the ACDC stuff, Vince will shell out the bucks for ACDC, because Vince loves ACDC. Right, he literally had them do Smash, Grab, and Take It on one of the, the pay-per-views. And then... What the hell is this song? The new opening of of uh, SmackDown on Fox is some ACDC song. Oh, oh, I know because I was on TV and I'm flipping through stations and it's football and I'm like, oh, good football. Hey, ACDC's on. Bam, it's promoting wrestling and I threw up in my mouth. It's a song called Are You Ready? Are You Ready? Which is uh, like off their last really good album. That was right off of uh, the one that had Thunderstruck. So oh, okay. there's not much after that. You know what I mean? Vince loves ACDC. Good for him. That's the one good thing. He's got good taste. He does. Give me a steak wrap with ketchup and some ACDC, and I'm ready to fly, baby. All right. <laughs> uh, but I thought they could have had something with this. Um, do you think that them doing it so many years after on a different network and blah, 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 cause this not to get picked up or fail or whatever whatever it is i think the nostalgia for it had passed you know what i mean like mm -hmm. and there was no you know nobody cared so i i do find oh. it amusing that they and, that they go ahead sorry i was gonna say no go ahead go ahead go ahead and they, you know and it's it's actually very and you know i'm not one of those guys but forward thinking like taking like a, a, a you know a cult kind of hit and making it a female lead now like that, like thinking about that in the eighties, that blows my mind. But go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say the scene of Robert Culp training her on the football field. I love speed it up 
comedy every time, man. Sped up comedy with a obviously licensed song mm-hmm. and no dialogue. Yes. I'm filler. I like the I like the push-ups where she couldn't get the cape to work. She kept throwing it over her side because, like, uh-huh. you know. But she ended up being someone who was a teacher, like uh, William Katz's character. Um, and he was like, oh, I found, I'll know the, the replacement when I see it, the aliens. And she's got, like, all these causes and everything. And she's, like, you know, kind of a kind of a ditz a little bit. But she's got a heart of gold. And, and she's what, got the, the precocious foster child. Oh, my God. I all was like, the pieces were there for the show to be successful, Todd. I agree, but what was the name of her thing? Anything's possible. Was oh, there was like, some pun. There was some shitty pun. It was anything's pause, P A W S a bull, because she had an animal rescue thing, and I was fucking pissing my pants, Joe. I'm like, that's fantastic. But that precocious kid was killing me. But in but the end, so, I, again, I thought. Uh, like and obviously we're coming in at like the tail end, the ass end of the other show, the main show. But I I enjoyed Greatest American Heroine. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was very straightforward. It got people caught up. And I know that you're saying um, nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. A different time at a different place in a different world. I definitely think that would have been a hit. I do too. I like when they go up to Nova Scotia or whatever, and she's leading the pack in the in the bar, like just just like out and everything. It's like we're secret agents and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I was like, all right, this is legitimately funny. And he's and I remember through all the early seasons, he kept calling the suit the jammies. It's like you have the jammies on under there, don't you? Like if you're gonna do this, and she ends up beating up all the people in the. Like, her clothes explode because she flexes all out of the rock. Oh, right. And the arm wrestling scene, which was obviously put in there because of the success of the hit film Over the Top, which was out at the same time. Who starred in that, Joe? Uh, Sylvester Stallone. See, this all makes sense. It, this episode is great because it rhymes, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Hey, yo. Was that Rocky or was that Scott Hall? It was, uh, hey, yo, I'm the boxing guy, not the... <laughs> Not the so, bad guy. So it's Stallone. Yes, not the not the evil fellow. Not that guy. So the, again, watching the, the 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 attempted reboot, the greatest American heroine, makes me sad that this has not come back. Right. Is did this the original run take place too early in the eighties for people to care today? I think it still has that cult status, but. It's just it doesn't it doesn't have like the nostalgia like it it wasn't enough like there was that like Knight Rider still has it do you know what I mean like but like because why okay so why be, does Knight Rider have it and this doesn't why does Golden Girls have it and this doesn't all right, like well, superheroes are hot eighties nostalgia is hot like this hits you know they attempted to reboot it featuring a woman like it's checking so many boxes right here's my opinion of why the golden girls is still like, you know, looked fondly upon one because it had some talented people on it and Betty white made that comeback. So that, so that gives the nostalgia, it puts it in the limelight. And with David Hasselhoff being a drunk idiot, eating cheeseburgers off of like an airport 
de- detention area floor. Like he was in the limelight. Oh, we and Baywatch had- too, right? So he's been yeah. like, okay. What is- what has William Cat done? He went into obscurity. He did the greatest American hero comic. Look up his IMDb. Tell me what he's done. You know, I told you he did Perry Mason, but let's see yeah. what else. That's right. You did tell me. I forgot. So he looks like Edgar Winter now. <laughs> well, maybe he'll play Frankenstein for us. But, you know, that's the way I look at it is a lot of those shows have have a reason. And I think someone will strike and reboot Grace American Hero or something with it and it'll come back and the nostalgia for that show will rise up again. But everybody I know who was a little older than me, because I was young, I remember Grace American Hero fondly mm. and that last episode wasn't that great as as we said, the budget was going and not a lot of action with it. But people slightly older than me very much disliked the Grace American Hero show. They thought it was garbage. So you have to be in that wheelhouse. Yeah, but but that's, okay, so another thing is, most 80s stuff is garbage. We just remember it with a mind's eye. You know, right. go back and watch any cartoon from the ni- from the 80s. They're all trash. Eh, okay. Um, so, yeah. again, uh, William Katz not had any, like, huge success, right? He's been on a bunch of other things that I mentioned. Like, he was on the Perry Mason, you know, uh, made-for-TV movies, okay? Um, he was in the horror movie series entitled House. Oh, I not, love House. Right, not House but House. Right. Uh, he did some voice acting. He took over the John Ritter role in Problem Child 3, the TV movie version where the only person who came back was Gilbert Gottfried and like nobody else wanted any part of that. Mm. Gottfried will take a check anytime. He absolutely will. If you're mm. paying, he's cashing. <laughs> That's right. He did. Uh, he did the voice of the green guardsman, uh, which was the non-union version of JSA Green Lantern in the justice league cartoon. Oh, uh, he also played. Um, do you remember Son of the Beach on FX, the Howard Stern produced thing with uh, Tim Stack as the lead? Yes, I do. I remember that show fondly. <laughs> he played Congressman George Bukaki. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, he was in an episode of Supergirl recently <sighs> as probably the greatest American hero, which would be, oh, if he's in the DC crossover, <laughs> that would be great. He did the voice of Hawkman on a bunch of stuff. Oh, I was wondering, was that the uh, Justice League? Oh, no, it was the Batman Brave and the Bold video game. And Brave and the Bold, okay. Yeah, so he really, again, he's done stuff, but not like any one big lasting thing. He was in House, and he was on an episode of House. Right, That's the like TV art. show House. That's like art. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so we're grasping at straws here at this point. I don't know, go, you know, it's in the links for last week's show. Uh, go uh, check out uh, The Greatest American Heroine. You, you, you could do a lot worse. That is of true. Of the stuff that we've had to watch. Yep. Yes, sir. We've watched a lot of crap. Name one crappy show we watched. Name Radar. one. Radar. Radar was really good, but. No, Radar was pretty bad. It was it was too far ahead of its time, Joe. No, this was that wasn't. I'm kidding. 
so uh maybe you're listening to this uh two days before everybody else because that is because you're a patreon and you could always help us out in many many ways uh but patreon for five bucks a month is going to get you uh, early access to this, and in the coming years, who knows, maybe more stuff. Uh, the dollar a month is going to get you access to the old shows that Todd did, uh, along with myself and our good buddy DJ, way back in the day. And I uh, want to give a special shout-out to new Patreon, since we last recorded, Stephen Cook. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, pledging your uh, money to us. Hopefully you stick around forever and ever and ever. I agree. I don't know. We'll fi- we're we're going to figure out something with these tiers going forward in 2020. Uh, make this uh, Patreon a little bit more enticing. And hey, if you're listening to this on Friday, you probably got a jammed up uh, ear hole with this show, Add Odds with Wrestling, uh, Wednesday Night Wars. They all drop on the same day. It's just the way the schedules kind of shook out with these sort of things, you know? Yeah, but it's but that's just so much good in your face at once. That's true. That's true. All right, everybody, thanks for listening uh, to episode 256, uh, the tenth installment of Al's Gals here at Longbox Heroes. After You're Dark. listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini <laughs> of Podcast Network.